your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap down, the kick is up, and the kick is good! Here's Lane! Huskers win it 13-10. They beat Northwestern and go to 4-2. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate Roar. All right, who turned the heat off? Yeah. <laughs> what in the world? I, I, I'm glad we're being thrown headlong <laughs> into pre-winter. Not even, not even fall, not Ooh. even warm, you know, kind of warm and then cooling off gently. It's nope, straight into the freezer. Man, woke up this morning, went outside. It was okay. Yeah. Went out a couple hours later. It was like, it wasn't okay anymore. No, no. It, this, is, this is about a month early yeah. weather, you yeah. know? Thank goodness it's not a high school football night. Now, tomorrow night's going to be dry, and the, hopefully the winds die down when it gets dark. But, yeah, it's, it'll be a couple blankets night at the, at the old high school football games tomorrow night. The hot chocolate sales yeah. will be astronomical. They'll be going through a lot of Swiss mess at the various press boxes and concession stands around the state. Yeah, they better maybe go out and get another percolator or two for the yes. old hot chocolate tomorrow night we're glad you're with us here we'll, st- we'll keep you warm over the next three hours here's what we have coming up on the program tonight scott frost did meet with the media today after the huskers walk through we'll hear his final thoughts about this matchup with minnesota the undefeated gophers on saturday night in minneapolis where it's also going to be very chilly windy maybe even some precip in the air for that game so we'll hear what the head coach has to say about that thursday night is our football night our football show night Quarterback coach Mario Verdusco will be here. So we'll talk to Coach Mario uh, in hour number two. So get your comments, questions ready for him. We'll hear what he thinks about Adrian, what he thinks about what he's seen from Noah Vedrill so far this year and the development of Luke McCaffrey. We'll get into all that with Coach Mario in hour number two. Teddy Greenstein makes his weekly stop on, in, on the third hour of the program. And we're going to catch up with Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck. He's really done a nice job. Year three, he's got the Gophers off to an undefeated start and now in the national polls, uh, winning some close games, but winning those games. Yeah, that's the thing. They keep finding ways to win, and and we've seen the other side of that, finding ways to lose, you know, squandering good good opportunities to pick up wins, or if you're down late, not finding enough to come back and win it. And that's not been the script for Minnesota. I think that program has a ton of confidence right now. You have to think the way they finished last year is feeding what they're doing this year. Plus, there's a good amount of talent on that team. You, the running backs go three deep. One of them's hurt right now, but you've got three guys who can run the ball pretty well. You've got two receivers that are really good, and I think Tanner Morgan has surprised more than a few people with how well he's been able to run that offense. I thought he was going to be fairly proficient in that offense, and he's been he's been good to this point. I have my questions about that defense. You look at that, and you look at the schedule, and it's pretty uninspiring. I mean, the conference wins are against Purdue and Illinois, and, and those are probably your bottom two teams in the Big Ten West. But there's still conference wins. There's still some juice in those. So Minnesota has shown plenty in the early part of this year, but you have to question the schedule a little bit, and they'll present some challenges for Nebraska. And P.J. Fleck has done a nice job. Out of all the chaos of 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 the Jerry Kill to Tracy Clays, and then Tracy Clays coaches there only one year, there was some chaos there. You felt like that kill Clay's regime could build Minnesota football up, and they had made some progress. And the fact that Tracy Clay's was out after just one year, you wondered if they would continue on an upward trajectory, and and P.J. Flex kept them going up. Tracy Clay's last year was messy, not so much from the on-field performance because they ended up going to the Holiday Bowl and winning, but they had all those athletes that were suspended because of an off-campus campus incident that took place, a bunch of guys suspended for the team. And, and I think that cost Tracy his job is that mm-hmm. that guy – and he, he – I don't know that he put a ton of importance on it. So P.J. Deal, 
He did not have the blessing of Jerry Kill. In fact, Jerry Kill has been very adamant that he doesn't think P.J. Fleck is the right guy to run that program, and yet all P.J. has been able to do is get everybody on that team to buy into what he's selling. And you and I may not buy it, Nate Roar, right. but it doesn't matter to us. If he gets the guys in that locker room to buy it, and they seem to be, that's why they're successful right now. Yeah, I I thought that he was all all hollow slogans and and the the goofy row the boat stuff and running up the sideline, but the players are buying into it and, and it's working. And you know, if you think you're winning because of slogans or because you sprint up and down the sidelines or or because of how you practice, and and to this point. Fleck has figured out a way to get Minnesota football going in the right direction. And you think of, of all that's against Minnesota football. And, and you had to think at least a segment of that fan base, maybe a segment of, of the players in that locker room that said, oh, here's the flavor of the month again from the Mac. He'll last three years and then he'll be out and, and we'll be you know repeating the cycle that Minnesota football has been in. And all he's done has is – get that team thinking it can go out and win in the Big Ten West. I may say something, don't kick me under the table, okay? He was really Scott Frost a year before Scott Frost because Western Michigan went undefeated, got the Cotton Bowl bid, they made the New Year Six, they got beat by Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl, so they didn't complete the undefeated season like UCF did. UCF went and won that Peach Bowl over at Auburn. But P.J. Fleck, Smaller school, Mac school. In fact, even even smaller than UCF. The Mac mm-hmm. would be a level even below, slight level below the AAC. But undefeated, got to that Cotton Bowl game, and so he was the really the hot flavor in that off season. Minnesota got him, seemed a good fit there for them. And yeah, there's some hokiness to it. There's some some stuff that you kind of shrug your shoulders at a little bit. But I'll tell you, they're playing pretty they're playing pretty hard. And and but I will say this too. Maybe you'll disagree, or maybe you'll agree. Nebraska will be the best team they've played at this point in time. I don't think there's any question Nebraska's the best team that they'll they'll have played in their first six, and I think it's a step up in competition, and it'll be a test for Minnesota to manage what Nick Saban calls the rat poison yep. because all of a sudden gopher football has some stock in it. They're 5-0, and oh, they're playing pretty well, they're coming off their best effort of the year, and they're starting to hear yeah. for the first time, hey, you guys are pretty good. You guys are having a great year. There's are starting to be expectations around Minnesota football. And can those players, can the kids in that locker room deal with it? And we'll find that out to a certain extent on Saturday. Time for tonight's practice report. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. And the practice report brought to you by JTEC Construction. Time to replace your home siding, but not sure where to start? Start with JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. JTEC specializes in seamless steel siding and always provides free consultations. Head coach Scott Frost met with the media at the Hawks Championship Center after Nebraska's walk through today. He was asked about Adrian Martinez and J.D. Spielman and provided no further information on the status of those two guys. But Scott Frost was asked about how this week of practice went. He did have some information on that. It's a good week. Um, probably had our best Monday practice ever. Um, Tuesday we got a lot installed. It was pretty good. thought Wednesday was really good again. Um, they're prepared. They know their stuff. So we just got to go play well. So the team has worked well, has done the work, prepared well, and and you like to hear that they, after a big win like that, they kept their focus. Yeah, I think that was the bounce they needed. After, after getting handled by Ohio State, they needed a little pickup, and the field goal going through on the last play of the game was, I think, what this team needed to kind of keep spurring them down the road here in this season. As they sit at 4-2, and two, but of course, early in the fourth quarter of that game, Adrian Martinez went down with an injury. Scott Frost was asked about the quarterback situation. Good. Um, you know, we, we just, we're in a lot better place at the quarterback spot than we were a year ago at this time. Uh, I feel like we got several guys that 
know the offense and are talented enough to go make things happen. So um, we'll see who's up there playing, but we feel good about several guys, and um, the team will rally around whoever it is. Noah Vedral, of course, if Adrian Martinez can't go, Vedral would get the first look, and we got a chance to see him play his first meaningful snaps. And I'll say this for him, he looked very decisive in the running game. Once he committed to run, he ran, and the passing was a little erratic, but he hit the big one that he needed to to Wandale Robinson to set up the game-winning field goal at the end. I told people during the week, he doesn't carry himself like a backup quarterback. Here's a little swag to Noah that I can do this, and I think the team responds to that. So if it's him Saturday night, I don't have a problem with that. He's certainly spent the most time Mm -hmm. in this offense and knows it well. And, of course, uh, being in the family that he is, he's been steeped in football strategy and theory his whole life. So he he certainly knows what he has to do. He just has to go out and, and execute what's asked of him. Scott Frost was asked, which quarterbacks will be taken up to Minnesota? Uh, no, we've been traveling a uh, bunch of guys anyway. So uh, Adrian will be there. Um, we'll take Bunchy too, along with McCaffrey and Noah. So the Oscars taking four quarterbacks to Minnesota. You are limited to 74 on the travel list, mm-hmm. and four of those spots will be occupied by quarterbacks, but uh, that's not a position where you want to be without a guy, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the other big injury is wide receiver J.D. Spielman. His status remains in question. Remember, both Adrian Martinez and J.D. Spielman practiced yesterday, and uh, Scott Frost was asked about if the younger wide receivers have stepped up in J.D. Spielman's absence or limited participation in practice. I hope so. Um, you know, there's opportunities to be had there, and you know, there's several young guys that are close to being ready to play. But uh, you know, if we're going to play them, I want them to be out here at practice, looking like they're playing better than the guy in front of them, and that should be their goal. And at times it's like that. At at times it isn't, and. Um, we're waiting on some of those guys to step up. Um, even if we're not going to play them full time, they can all play in four games, and we want to use them if they're ready. So, uh, need a little more urgency from some of them. Uh, I'm starting to see it from some others. You hope to see more urgency from those wide mm-hmm. receivers because this team needs it. This team needs production beyond J.D. Spielman and Wandale Robinson from that wide receiver room, and to this point, they've not gotten it. They have not. Kanavai has seven catches on the year. Mike Williams with three. Javon McQuitty has two. Jaron Woodyard, none to this point in time. Uh, and Cade Warner's been hurt, although Troy Walter said yesterday they think he could be ready to roll this week, and, and maybe he gets out there. And he certainly, I think, has the trust of, of a lot of the quarterbacks because they know Cade knows where to be, what, what route to run, when to block, all those type of things. So maybe if he can play, he can give a little bit of a spark. That word trust was something we heard uh, in the conversation about Adrian Martinez and maybe his struggles to this point in the year that Adrian right now just can't trust that those guys are going to be in the spots that they should be. So to get a guy like Cade Warner who you're not going to have to worry about that with him. He knows the offense. He can get to where he needs to get to. Uh, He's also a good blocker on the outside, so that would help the run game. It it would be a a big step for this team if Cade Warner were able to go on Saturday at Minnesota. As we continue along on our JTEC practice report, Maurice Washington was held out of the first half of the Northwestern game uh, due to a violation of team rules, and Scott Frost was asked about what Maurice Washington can bring to the table. Maurice has had a good week. Um, you know, we need him to be ready to go for a whole game. Um, he he's obviously makes us a better team when he's out there, so we need him out there more often. He's a guy that can just flat out outrun most of the guys on that Minnesota defense. And so Nebraska will probably engage him pretty deeply in the offensive game plan. And if Nebraska is going to win this game, we were just talking about this with each other. If Nebraska wins, it's probably because Maurice Washington had a big day. That's that's right. And he certainly has the capability of turning a little swing pass into a 40-yard gain and big chunks – Wandale has that ability, and, and now if you can if you can add Maurice into the mix with Wandale, 
then Nebraska has a chance to pop a couple of big plays against this Minnesota defense. And the possibilities are tantalizing with yes. those two, with Wandale Robinson and Maurice Washington. Yeah, they're two guys whose skill sets are pretty similar, but that just means Minnesota has to find two guys that can stay with them, right. that can cover them. And I don't know that Minnesota has two guys that can hang with both Maurice Washington and Wandale, uh, Wandale Robinson. Talking quite a bit about the offense. Of course, the special teams, a bit of worry coming into this game. Lane McCallum hit the big field goal, but uh, the kicking situation has been a little erratic all year. Scott Frost was asked, which kickers will be making the trip to the Twin Cities? Yeah, Matt's going to travel with us. Uh, we haven't decided who's kicking again this week. Uh, seems like we have that conversation every week. It's been interesting. But he's done a good job. Um, Gabe Hines has done a good job. Um, obviously, Lane did it enough for us to win last week. So uh, we're just trying to piece it together. We, you know, we talked about taking four quarterbacks. That's normal. How many kickers do you take with a 74-man roster? you got to be careful, right? Yeah, it, it's tough to figure because you obviously take Armstrong. Right. You probably take Will Prist up to kick off. You have to take at least one place kicker. From what we heard from Scott Frost there, there's the possibility they could take two. There's the possibility they could take four kickers. Both Matt Waldock, and that was who he was referring to at the beginning of that clip. Matt Waldock recruited off the Nebraska men's club soccer team, and then either Gabe Hines or Lane McCallum. And and the name Gabe Hines hadn't really come up until this point. Hines, a freshman out of Kearney. I mean, in normal circumstances, you'd be shocked if they took four. We are not in normal circumstances no. for a variety of reasons, not just because of the kicker injuries, but also with the weather conditions. You wonder how that will affect a guy trying to kick. So It's crazy to think that they could take five kickers on this trip, and, and they may just do that. Yeah. From, from what we just heard, that, that sounds like at least a possibility at this point. Scott Frost was asked about complications in the kicking situation. There's a lot of things making it reset every week, injuries and competition and trying to figure out the best formula. And it um, seems like we've had to do that math every week. Be and part of that, I think, is just because when you recruit Barrett Pickering, I think you think, okay, we're set at kicker. Just we're set for four years. And barring the unforeseen, that guy is going to trot out and, and kick – kick the ball for 50 straight games for the University of Nebraska. The Pickering injury throws that all to the wind. Now sure you just don't know. This is game seven, mm -hmm. which would leave five games after this. You've got to start thinking about redshirting Pickering, right? I mean, if you're down to five and then you hope you get to a bowl game, so you'd have six. I guess if he could kick all five and the six, you'd probably go ahead and play him. Yeah. But if, if he's could... out for Indiana – Indiana, I think, would be the hinge the point off. because okay. if you can get – if you get to Indiana and he can kick, you're thinking you, you'll have him for six. Right. But if he can't kick for Indiana, odds are you can live without him for Purdue. So you're down to three regular season games plus – A bowl game. A bowl game yeah. and the Big Ten championship game is an unknown variable there, but it's probably not worth burning Barrett Pickering's – true sophomore year now of course the weather drawing some concern the forecast according to my uh, weather app right now 39 degrees and a 56 percent chance of either snow or rain so like that could be a the tough temperature weather i'm day. fine the, the the precip i'm not yeah Hope that clears out of there could be a rough day weather wise in the twin cities yeah. scott frost was asked about the weather up in minneapolis you know, I think it's just going to depend on what it's like when we get up there. I, I think the weather could be the biggest factor in this one. Um, you know, 32 degrees and playing football, that's beautiful. That's football weather, uh, unless it's raining and blowing, blowing wind, too, and that changes things. Um, so, it, you know, we're prepared for whatever the environment is, and um, we got to adjust and adapt to however the game's going and whatever the weather's like. And, you know, we're not too concerned about it, but... Uh, we definitely wanted our guys to be ready no matter what type of game it turned into. Although, as 
the Husker coaching staff has talked about it. You know, Minnesota was having the wide receivers dip their hands in buckets of cold water and keeping the balls in, in cold tubs and things like that. Nebraska, I think, has made the players aware of it, but they, they really haven't made it a focus in practice, which which in some cases can work for you. You don't want to you don't want to plant a seed in the guys' minds about the weather that, that wouldn't otherwise be there. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's just something this team's going to have to deal with as they go up and, and play probably their first cold-weather game of the year. We went over this last night on the show, Nate, that the Illinois kickoff temperature last year was 23 with the south breeze at 20 miles per hour. And then Michigan State was 27 with a northeast breeze at about 15 miles per hour, and then you add the snow into it. So you're telling me 39, that's 16 degrees warmer than the Illinois kickoff temperature and 12 degrees warmer than the Michigan State kick. I think putting your hands in a wet a bucket, I, they have ball boys who cover the footballs up and keep them dry, and you get a new football about every after every play almost. So I, I just think some of that's a little silly what Minnesota's doing. It, almost making too big yeah. a thing out of it, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. One thing that was a big thing for Nebraska, the fact that they had lost on the road the seven-game road losing streak that the Huskers snapped at Illinois earlier this season. Scott Frost was asked how that win on the road at Illinois can help the Huskers capture another one at Minnesota this weekend. I hope the guys do. Um, we've all been part of a lot of road games. I, you know, I'm sure this is going to be a good environment up there. Uh, they're riding high and, and undefeated right now, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of support. Uh, we just got to play well. It's less about all those other things than it is just making sure we execute and do the things we're supposed to do. That said, I think it's it, it helps a little that Nebraska has that monkey off their back, especially as they play a team in Minnesota, as we've discussed, that, that it's feeling like they can go out and win basically any game on their schedule right now. They've got some mojo right now, and at the very least, you don't have that negative on you going into this game. They can say what they want, but they all knew they'd lost eight in a row on the road. Yeah. All, every single man. Player coach knew that there was an eight-game road losing streak. So that's huge, I think, to get that thing gone at, at Illinois a couple weeks ago. And, and for them to believe that they can go somewhere else and win a football game. I'll be interested to see the atmosphere. I mean, yeah. when you go to TCF Bank Stadium, you're not thinking it's going to be a hostile crowd. And maybe it is for this game but i'm sure quite a few nebraska fans are going to make the trip north so how how hostile is that environment is it really a tough road environment or is it a little closer to the quasi home games that we sometimes see up there yeah i don't i don't know how many husker fans will be there but i do think it's going to damp dampen the enthusiasm of the gopher fans because it I mean, it's still 60 degrees up there right now. So they, this hasn't hit them yet. Right. I think they're going to be – I think their fans are going to – not that they're not going to show up, but I think if a big walk-up crowd is not going to happen for them Saturday night because of the weather. Yeah, I think there will be a good amount of scarlet in the yes. building. And, and, and I think they're going to be a little disappointed with, with the folks, even the people who bought – who have season yeah. tickets or whatever uh, that that stay home because of the bad weather. It's also the Wilds' home opener in the NHL. Same Ooh. time, and the Vikings play a big game day. against the Eagles the next day. Yeah. Tonight it's the Nebraska Football Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. Now it's going to be an empty set. Snap back. Adrian's going to run off the right side. He's in there for a first down. He's in there for a touchdown. Nebraska takes the lead back here at Folsom Field. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Mazur is in there. He's off to the left of Adrian. The triangle formation of the near side. JD split out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's hit. That's a two-point play for Nebraska. And they tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Tonight, quarterback's coach, Mario Verdusco. Noah Vedro awaits the shotgun snap. Mills in the backfield with him. Snap back to Noah. Has some time. Steps, throws downfield. Looking for Wandale Robinson. Makes a catch at the 20. He twisted out of bounds at the 17-yard line. What a terrific throw by Noah Bedrow to Wandale Robinson for 31 yards and the Huskers in field goal range. 
brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at buyfordnow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to this week's edition of the Nebraska Football Radio Show. I'm delighted to have Mario Verdusco with us here for the next hour. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of this one. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. The coach's booth sits right next to our radio booth. There were a lot of smiles over there in your guys' booth and that thing ended the other day. Good for you guys. That was fun. It was good. You know, it's always good to win. It's always fun. Beats the uh, BC alternative. That's exactly right. <laughs> and you had to uh, you had to go to your your number two quarterback and Noah Vedral, and it's a guy that I know you have a lot of confidence in. He was going to come in and help you out in that game. Yeah, Noah's always really prepared. Uh, he's been that way since uh, we were together at UCF, you know. And I remember his uh, his first series uh, of his first game there, and he just um, there was some a pressure issue coming off his right side. He noticed it, got it checked, and threw a strike. He's a uh, he's sharp cat. He, how well does he know this offense since he's been with you guys for this is the third year now? Really well. I mean, um, as, as you mentioned, you know, he's been with us for, what, three years now. And despite the fact that he didn't play very much last year and wasn't able to practice, you know, um, things haven't changed in terms of the nomenclature and the verbiage and all that sort of stuff in the play. So he, he knows what he's doing. There's an air about Noah that, in a good way, I, I just sense a confident guy that feels like if when, if and when my number gets called, I'll be ready to go. Is that yeah, accurate? And it's born of his preparation. You know, he, he prepares really well. And he's been that way, like I said, since uh, our time together at UCF. And what he was able to do that first series is because of his preparation. Yeah. Let's talk about Adrian. Your okay. thoughts about him through the first uh, six games of this season. What have you seen from him this year? Well, um, I saw a young guy who's built on what he did last year. Um, and uh, moving forward, uh, you know, I thought he's uh, he's made some really good decisions. Still being young, he's made some bonehead decisions. But uh, overall, uh, it's been pretty good. Sixty. He's right around that 60% completion percentage. Is yeah. that... Where you, I'm sure you want it higher, but what, where would you like that to be for him? And the, and the kind of passes and throws this offense asks a quarterback to make. Well, we've dealt with uh, quite a few uh, inordinate amount of, of long yardage situations on third down. He's been really pretty effective um, from that standpoint. Uh, but always, you know, you'd, you'd like a guy to be 100% if you could. But he's uh, right around 60, so uh, that's good. How much growth have you seen in in just him managing the game? Not so much just the, the physical play of it, but just managing, knowing where to put his eyes, where to get his feet set. Where where have you seen all that part of it? Well, that's improved quite a bit from from last year, um, and um, as he moves forward, it's only going to get better. Leadership has it been there for? for well, you know, Coach Frost wanted to accelerate that part of his profile, which is. Part of our responsibility as quarterbacks anyway, and I, I think he's done a really nice job handling that part of it, you know. You you meet with the media every, I think it's Wednesday, so yesterday is when you met with them, and, and you, you said, because you get questions all the time about the snap, which has been an issue from the center position this year. Uh, you get questions about protection and pressure on your quarterbacks. And you, you had an interesting answer. You said, I don't talk about those things with our guys because that's not – that's other people on the team's job to do those type of things. Yeah, exactly right. And we can't worry about those things. We just got to play. And so whatever happens on any particular play, we got to deal with the uh, situation at hand. Yeah. The, we all got a kick. I don't know if you caught it. When Noah's helmet came off <laughs> – Luke McCaffrey might have beat the helmet. He might have been in the huddle before the helmet hit the ground. He was out there so fast. Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, Andrew Bunch and I were talking about that <clears throat> right when that situation had taken place. And I guess Andrew and I breathed it in existence because the next thing I know is I see Noah, because my eyes were somewhere else. And next thing I know is I see Noah coming off the field and <laughs> Luke off. McCaffrey trotting on. And right before that, Coach Frost and I had discussed what Andrew and I were talking about. 
And so that's how that occurred, but it was <laughs> a bit surreal. So is it he wants to play? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. He wanted a pass play so he could I'm sure he run did. around a little bit. Yeah. Give us a peek into his personality a little bit, because that's a guy that's only been here for about nine months now. <laughs> Luke's awesome. Luke, Luke's a different cat, man. He, he really enjoys the game. Um, he did really well on all the things that we threw at him at the beginning of, of his arrival here. And he's just a fun cat to be around. He just loves, you can just tell the, the young cat loves the game. He really does. He enjoys it. You got questions. We got questions about, you know, is, is, is he really a quarterback? Can he play wide receiver? Because he, he played a lot of positions in high school football. But you've never wavered. You think he's a quarterback for you. You and I talked about that uh, last year. We did. You know, and um, he's a quarterback, man. And that's where we want him to be. And all of his focus and attention uh, throughout the week is on that position. And uh, I've never, ever thought and or Coach Frost has never ever thought differently about that. He's going to be a hell of a player. Coach he Frost, is right now. Coach Frost has been pretty adamant, though, that you're going to keep him at that no more than that four-game rule this year. Yes, yes, that's, that's the plan. And uh, that would be good, uh, good for Luke, no doubt. He, yeah. He's okay with that? I mean, as competitive as guys I think he feels like he is, he's probably ready to go play Oh yeah, this Saturday, you next know, Saturday. He, he's he's really really a competitive cat, you know. And I I I heard that a lot from when we were recruiting him from Ed and from his mom Lisa, and um, uh, yeah, he 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 really wants to play, but he understands that it'd be the best for his development to to sit this year if at all possible. What a football family! Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. When we were recruiting my ass did of, of the four young guys, I said, who, who's the most athletic? And he didn't miss a heartbeat. He said it was Luke. Wow. Yeah. Because so. brothers, big brother in the NFL is doing some pretty good things. <laughs> From what I hear, man, <laughs> yeah. he's getting after it. That it's you know and that that family Ed was a great NFL football player as well. I'm, I'm guessing the mom might even been a heck of an athlete in her own right. Lisa played uh, soccer at Stanford. Yeah, there you go. And we didn't. I, we talked a little bit about last year. His grandfather, uh, or his great grandfather, was in the uh, Olympics, and at one time held the record for the hundred yard dash. Is that right? Yeah, man. It, so it, it runs in the family. You mentioned Andrew Bunch. We yeah. haven't really heard that name much. We were hearing yeah. it a lot last year. How's he doing? He's doing great. Andrew's just a great kid. You know, he's been really supportive of everything that's gone on. He's he prepares like if he's going to be the starter from week to week, um, and there's 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 not a bad thing you can say about that young cat, man. He's always really enthusiastic at practice. He pays attention both in the meetings and at practice, so it's it's great having him around. A couple of our walk-ons you have too, right? Two other Yeah, we have uh, uh, Braden Miller, who's from Kearney High School, and then Matt Masker, who's from Kearney Catholic. So it's great having those two young cats around, and they've been doing a really nice job for Coach Chins over there uh, on scouting. Now, in the past, you guys have had some Friday scrimmaging with some of the scout yeah. team guys, yeah. some of the freshmen who aren't going to play. Has that been going on, and do those guys get a chance yeah. to play in those? Yeah, they've been doing real well. Matt had a real good uh, scrimmage uh, last week, and uh, it's good for them to get out there and, and function in the offense and with the calls and the signals and all that sort of stuff. So it's been really productive for him. It's been great. I was kidding Coach Frost. Uh, we were taping the television show on Sunday, and I said, man, could you when, it, when you got this job two years ago, would you have believed that if I told you you were going to win games 9-6, to 13-10, to 10, and he just rolled his eyes like, I never would have imagined that. But sometimes you just have to do that, right? You just have to go with what the game gives you. Yes, Coach Frost has mentioned, you know, we are where we are right now in our development. And um, there's no question in my mind. Um, so, you know, you, you, you kind of balance the, the, the losses that you incur with that sort of notion of looking ahead to some degree, you know, and you can, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of what Coach Frost uh, is building with the program. And so I'm supremely confident that uh, we'll get this thing cranked up where he expects it to be. What what'd you make of Northwestern? 
now that you've played. oh they're 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 they were tough last year and they're they're tough as nails this year you know they're really disciplined they know what they want to do they know how to do it and they go out and do it and it's a it's a they're a tough team to play it's hard to Very get well coached it just seemed like it was hard to get some rhythm going Saturday against them it was and it it was in watching the games um, that we saw on tape it was difficult for the teams that they had played. To, to get in some sort of rhythm. Um, and, yeah, like I said, you know, they, they know what they want to do and they know how to do it and they're good at it. How do you keep your guy, Adrian or Noah, whoever's in the game at the time, yeah. how do you keep them energized and positive when they're facing a team where it's hard getting first downs, it's hard having a sustained drive? Well, give me some what, well, what are some of the conversations You know, like? the 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 um, the – sort of theme that Coach Frost had at the Illinois game, if you remember that game, it was wild, was that he wanted a team that wasn't going to blink, so to speak, you know. And so during those conversations that I have with Noah and or Adrian is just to remind them that if something does go bad, don't worry about it, let it go. we got to remember what Coach Frost said and uh, let's just uh, let's stay the course and just continually reminding them of those sorts of things as the game unfolds. Uh, and it was that way at Northwestern. We, we, you know, Coach Frost was adamant about us taking care of the football and about the defense having takeaways. And he, 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 told, uh, he told us, you know, he said, hey, we don't turn the ball over, we're going to win this thing. And it was pretty prophetic. You know, we didn't have any turnovers, yeah. and they had the one that led to – you know, as having an opportunity to put ourselves in a position to win it. You are in the press box during games, so your conversations with your quarterbacks are over the phone at that point. Do you on the talk, headsets? On the yeah. headsets. Do you talk with them then at ha- halftime? Do you go? Oh yeah. Do you sit down with them then at halftime? Sure. Um, you know, we'll meet as a staff together and talk about what happened in the first half and what we want to get accomplished in the second half. Uh, Coach Frost to lay out. What, what his thoughts are, and then I have to relay those thoughts to the, to the quarterbacks. And if, if it's our time to go out uh, first and take the first possession at halftime, I have to be pretty concise. Uh, if it's a situation where, you know, they're going to get the ball, then I have a little bit more time, like I did last week, yeah. to go over the few thoughts. And then as, as soon as the defense is on the field, I'll get Adrian on the phone and cover the rest of the stuff that we needed to cover. All right, take us to the end of the game last week. Um, you didn't know you were getting the interception. That was a quick change. That yeah. happens a lot in football. Yeah. You didn't have a chance maybe to pre-plan what you wanted to do going out there. But but take us through that, what you were wanting to get done and, and what what were some things you were wanting Noah to maybe see or feel on that last drive. Oh, just just to operate in, in terms of uh, whatever Coach Frost might call. Um and that could be a variety of things. And it just so happened that that call was made where he, where he had to throw a strike and hit our guy down the sidelines. I forgot even who caught it. Who was it? Wandale. It was Wandale. And, um, Beautiful throw. Yeah. And, and then um, we wanted to try to get the ball to the middle of the field, right? And Noah's presence of mind was such that he saw an opening that would allow us to get more yardage. And he took it with ball security and got us closer. So that was um, tremendous on his part. He, Coach, he was quoted as saying that the throw, the play to Wandale, he missed it in Friday's practice. But he stayed late to make that throw four or five times so that he had it down. And yeah, boom, he, there it came up yeah, in the game. Yeah, he, he'll, he'll do that, you know. And, and that's a good thing about Noah. Um, but it was just something that, had, that their defense was going to do. And that he missed it in practice, but obviously made a tremendous throw in the game. Beautiful. Yeah. Would you? Is he a decisive kind of mind? Does his mind work that way? That once he figures out this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. Is he that way? Do you think? Well, I expect all the quarterbacks to be that way. You're talking about just in terms just, of his play from snap to snap. Yeah. Just yeah. They, yeah. They have. They have. They all to do. Be. Yeah. But um, yeah, and his preparedness um, and his knowledge of what we do. Um, within the framework of our pass offense, allowed that to happen. Yeah, well, it was a beautiful thing to watch. And yeah. a lot of Husker fans will watch that drive over and over again. Take me through 
the summer months for your room and what your guys do? Because you can't be on a field yeah. with them during the summer. But obviously, they're out there throwing the football around. What what happens during the summer for your room? Well, summer is a function of what we talk about right after spring ball. So I write out their evaluations in terms of the things that they need to work on. And they have their throwing workouts that they need to get done. Uh, they know exactly how to get them done and so on and so forth. And that's primarily what, what they're doing aside from studying tape. But from a throwing standpoint, all that stuff is laid out for them during the summer. And then because of the nature of the quarterback position, they're probably, if they're not in charge of some of that stuff, they have a huge role in running some of those things with the players. Well, yeah, now that's, that's a piece of the puzzle that you know Frosty talked about in terms of the leadership, making certain that 7-on-7 seven seven was, was organized and running smoothly and the guys were showing up and all that sorts of stuff becomes important for them. How much would you – obviously – You'd love to be able to be on the field more with them at that point in time. The NCAA has loosened some things, or at least you can spend some classroom time with the guys now, where 10, 15 years ago you couldn't. It's better, but you'd probably like a little more contact. I would just like a freaking half hour. A week. A week. Just one week. I mean, just give me a half hour a week. Yeah. But I understand why they do it, because then coaches end up abusing it, and I get that. But I would just like a half-hour week just to go out there with them and check their drill work. Nothing else but that. Make sure so, they're not falling into a habit that then you have to go yeah. fix in August. Yeah. And, and make certain that they are doing the drills exactly like they need to be done. But, you know, they don't allow that, so... There it is. Yeah, which I, I hope they get to that point in time. I so do I. like the rule, and we talked about it in the opening. Now, if I'm not mistaken, they allow that in basketball. They, they do. Right? Basketball coaches get workouts all summer long yeah. with their teams. So. so I don't know why it hasn't flipped into football yet. Maybe you can talk to them. I, I will, I'll work on that for you. Um, <laughs> I have such great power right here, Coach. Um, <laughs> you know, you, the difference from a year ago to now, where you are developing depth and you're recruiting another student athlete that's going to hopefully will join your room in a couple more months, but you have to feel so much better where you are now compared to 12 months ago. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're light years ahead of where we were last year at this time last year. What were we? owing? Oh, and six. Oh, and six. Yeah. So, and you uh, just got the news that Noah could play about this point in time. Yeah, it was. And, um, so, you know, we were talking earlier, you and I, about, you know, you balance the, the losses you incur with, with that notion that you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you know that with Coach Frost's leadership and guidance, uh, we'll get this place back to where you guys have all known it to be, you know. And um, I'm supremely confident in that. Being the, being the quarterback at a place like this where football means so much, the spotlight shines pretty bright. And, you know, you can talk to Scott Frost about it, Eric Crouch. They all dealt with it when they were the guy. So Adrian's had that spotlight shining pretty yeah. brightly on him. Yeah. On our shows, we hear, oh, he seems like he's just not quite as good as he was a year ago. He's <laughs> hesitant on those type of things. Yeah. That's hard for him to hear, and I'm sure he gets some of that on social media. How do you – how do you coach that part of with, with a guy like Adrian to say, you know, just keep listening to me. We're going to get you through all well, this. Well, the, the one thing, I mean, if you want to deal in cliches, then obviously you, you end up going down that road uh, from an opinion standpoint. But the quarterbacks are, are coached in a way where they understand when things are going good, it's not about them. You know, it's about everybody else because um, – our ability to perform is is so much determined by what happens around us. You know, they talk about a coach's winning record. I mean, a quarterback's winning record, which is one of the dumbest things in football. <laughs> um, and so they, at the same time, they understand that, you know, it, despite the fact that, you know, they're going to get so criticized to some degree when things aren't going so well. Uh, just that philosophical base in terms of when it's good or bad, they're just part of the wheel of success or failure. Um, keeps them grounded uh, so that when things are going really good, they don't become selfish and, and self-centered. I certainly have a lot of respect for teams like, uh, for example, the, the uh, New England Patriots, who, in my estimation, have a, a, a tremendous understanding of what it means to be a team. 
You know, it's not about an individual. And you think about a guy like Tom Brady, who I don't know, what is he, the 22nd highest paid player in the in the NFL, somewhere thereabouts. Yeah. Tom understands that it, his job is not going to be uh, made any easier by him being the highest paid player in the NFL. If they can't get a collection of people around him, they're going to help him be successful. Um, I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for that. And, um, you know, football is the ultimate team game. And um, so our quarterbacks are coached in a way where they understand um, that dynamic between success and quote-unquote failure. Think you can guess the Husker score? Submit your prediction with the NEX guess on Facebook.com slash Huskers, and you could win a $200 gift card courtesy of Nebraska Crossing. The team voted for captains prior to the season. Adrian was voted as a captain as just a sophomore. Surprised by that at all? Um, Well, uh, yes and no, I guess. Uh, Knowing the history of of this place and what it means to be a captain uh, at at Nebraska, I mean, it's a pretty high honor, you know. I think based on his performance um, last year and his work ethic and everything he did in and out of the uh, uh, weight room, on the field, in the classroom, and how he held himself, I think, um, earned him the respect of his teammates. And they felt comfortable voting for him as a captain. So that's a a heck of an honor for a young guy like that. I don't think it surprised many of us that he was, just knowing the the kind of young man that he is. You mentioned the turnovers, that they were an issue in, in both the Illinois and the Ohio State game. Let's go to the Illinois game. I know Coach Frost, the one that maybe frustrated him the most was the the mesh exchange between Adrian was, I can't remember if it was Diedrich or Moe, one of the backs. That's got to be frustrating because you guys work on that every day. you know, turnovers are always a a source of discontent, no matter the case. I don't react to them during the course of a game at all in any way, shape, or form because you never know until you watch the tape on Sunday – um, what what the um, situation or the cause of it may be. Um, so I, I am totally non-reactive to those things uh, in a negative way with the quarterbacks in any way, shape, or form. Because then what ends up happening um, is when you come back and you you watch the tape, it may have nothing whatsoever to do with the quarterback at all. Now, the fans aren't, how would you say, privy to – what was happening on a particular play mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I don't um, I don't get too riled up during the course of a game about them. Just let it go and we'll move on. Let's continue to, 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 to work. And that was the case at, at Illinois. You know, when I was on the phone with Adrian, on the headsets with Adrian, and uh, I'm able to, to speak with Noah as well, just telling those guys, hey, remember what Coach Frost said, man, don't blink. Let's just stay after it, keep grinding, and, you know, we're shooting our, you know, the reason why they're in this game is because of us. You know, we're helping them out. Um, yeah, but, yeah, turnovers. Yeah, th- those were tough because they were deep in our own end, so it yeah, really it was, shortened it just, the field for their offense. It was just horrible. You know, we put Coach Chins and the rest of the defensive staff and the players in a, just a just a horrible situation. You never want to do that, you know. Um, so um, I've been through those sorts of games before, Um and I having the opportunity, if you if you want to put it that way, of being in those sorts of games, you know, part of what we tell the quarterbacks is don't get too high, don't get too low during the course of a game. The time to celebrate is when the game is over, and the time to get irritated at yourself is when the game is over, not a moment before, because you never know what's going to happen. There were a lot of good things in that game. You had almost 700 yards of offense in that yeah, game. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. It was tremendous. But the turnovers just, you know, bit us. But, yeah. you know, the guys didn't blink, and we fought through it and ended up, got a win. Yeah. Time to talk to Teddy. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate. But his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. 
All right, let's get this out of the way. Any truth to the rumor that you were covering the Montana Class 2A state golf tournament yesterday? <laughs> you know, uh, I had the kid uh, that, that missed the eight-footer. I had him <laughs> on the money line, and I'm a little disappointed. He pulled that putt a little bit. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, I don't know if you see – you must have seen the video. Yep. I prefer the guy who has like a 10-foot putt and opts to chip. He tries to chip it in over the snow. Maybe he was going for the slam dunk because, you know, it's a little unreliable to know if the, if the snow, you know, causes the greens to stimp at like one or maybe, maybe negative three. That was, um, that was some great video. If anybody hadn't seen it at Teddy Greenstein as the Twitter feed, I just retweeted it um, to see Montana kids playing in the snow in October was, uh, was definitely a sight to behold. Have you put your clubs away yet? I have not put my clubs away, although after uh, missing a four-footer on 18 at, at Medina today, I think it's time to burn my clubs. <laughs> uh, I've had uh, a couple fun rounds. I felt like today I had to play because it's like the last nice day of the year. Uh, it's going to turn nasty here in Chicago Friday, tomorrow, and then um, going to get awful cold. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, – I, I, I think they're going in, uh, into deep storage now for quite a while. Yeah, well, you, you got a story out of it because you, you followed, uh, you played with Porter Marju, who's the Loyola head coach who had quite the run to the Final Four a few years ago. Yeah, that's right, Greg Porter. Man, Porter's a great guy, and he's, uh, you know, he, he's he, one of the reasons he's fun to play golf with is he just doesn't take it seriously. I mean, he he wants to do well, but he's a guy. The first time I ever played with him, I looked at his uh, golf bag and I was like, would you buy that at a garage sale? I mean, he had like clubs from the 1980s in there. Um, you know, he, he's one of these guys. I think if you're a football or basketball coach, the truth of it is if you're doing your job right, you just can't play a lot of golf, especially nowadays, you know, with transfer portals and, you know, it's almost 12 months a year. So, so he definitely follows that. He does not play much, but then when he does, uh, we had a good time. We played at a place called the Mar club and poor guy he must have had like six par putts on the back and he just could not buy one so at the end you know i'm just like man is this just so depressing and he's like you know what this is what you get when you don't practice and it's what i tell my players you're not going to be a 40 percent three-point shooter if you don't practice so leave it to a coach to turn it into a teaching moment very good. Well, the Huskers may see him. They're going to that grand that Cayman Islands tournament in November. Nebraska's also oh. in that field. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I'm uh, Porter part of the story. I mean, there are really two parts of the story. One, why he turned down guaranteed 2 million dollars a year and St. John's, uh, you know, obviously a better conference, a conference that usually gets half of its team into the half of its teams into the NCAA tournament. And then the other element is just how hard it is uh, to schedule, and it's getting harder to schedule uh, if you're in a league like the Valley, if you're a team like Loyola. Basically, you know, teams like, say, Northwestern don't have any incentive to schedule you because they feel like they don't get that much of a pop if they win, and then it's, it's a big loss if they lose. And, you know, if you're Northwestern or all these schools, basically in the biggest conferences, you don't want to do anything to help the little guy. It, it's really – kind of sad what's happened with college basketball like you know okay big 10 now is 20 conference games and part of that is good so teams play each other a lot but part of it's bad because what those coaches now do is they say well we want you know four or five guaranteed wins we've got these tournaments uh we've got uh, you know we got to play the big east and the gavit games and the acc and the big 10 acc challenge and then that leaves us nothing for for interesting non-conference games so part of the problem and part of you know why porter wasn't so 100 sure on staying at loyola is it's so hard to schedule. So I'm glad he's going to get a couple good games in maybe Nebraska. Yeah, they are on the other side of the bracket, so they wouldn't face each other until day three. Well, uh, Nebraska was certainly uh, happy with the outcome of the game last week. Tough one for the Cats, and, and yeah. the season's kind of getting away from Fat Pat Fitzgerald's club. Absolutely. Yeah, the only thing worse than being one and four is being one and four with Ohio State coming to town. Yeah, um, that's going to be uh, that should be a, a beatdown. That's actually a Friday night game coming up, which will be good for the TV audience. Hopefully, if they have something interesting, to watch. But but I think very bad for people out here. You know, you've probably seen Ryan Field when, when it gets more than forty thousand people it is a bit of a disaster zone it's hard to get to and the parking lots are crammed and now add to it you know you've got friday rush hour you've got people commuting i mean i don't know how they're supposed to tailgate if they work till five o'clock seems kind of unfair to me but anyway northwestern yeah i mean staring one and five and some manageable schedule the rest of the way but 
Oof, it has been a rough one. This is not how you wanted to, uh, you know, follow up a season where you went. Oh, I know you were pretty high on on Iowa last week to to knock off. Yeah. Not happen. Only three points, one yard of rushing for the Hawkeyes, and now they get Penn State. This could be a really cool matchup Saturday. This could be cool, and it also could be seventeen thirteen if you're if you're okay with with defensive uh, defensive skirmishes. Iowa was like the most disappointing team in the Big Ten last week. You know, even more disappointing than Rutgers and and whoever is. Because I mean, that game is really there for the taking. Right? Michigan's offense is really not doing much, but Iowa had a, a terrible time with blitz pickup, and uh, you know Nate Stanley was pretty indecisive at times. So to score three points, you know, under opt- in optimal weather conditions was was really atrocious. I mean, it, Iowa came in with a good rushing attack and just. I don't know, didn't stay committed to it or didn't do a good enough job, really looked disjointed and made that Michigan defense probably look better than it is. This will be a good tell for everybody about how good Penn State is, don't you think, Saturday night? thousand percent. Because, you know, obviously James Franklin has had a lot of success, um, but not really a great road team. Um, and, you know, Iowa is one of those places, as Penn State found out a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, they have a blackout. It's a night game. The deal with Iowa is, you know, the players are, are seemingly an arm length, arm's length of the fans. So if, if Iowa gives them something to cheer about, if the defense is really good, they're actually scoring some points, that becomes one of the toughest places in the Big Ten to play. So, you know, Penn State, we're still dealing with Sean Clifford, who's a relatively inexperienced quarterback. And, uh, you know, is this team as good as it has looked in certain games, like when it walloped Maryland? We're going to see. But I certainly think about sometimes those East teams going to the West and losing. And uh, Penn State is one of them. And, you know, Ohio State having lost to Iowa and uh, Purdue recently. Those are a couple more. How have your picks been the last couple weeks? Respectable, I would say. Uh, Yeah, last week uh, was slightly – last week 5-4-1. The one that I felt so stupid about, you know, five minutes after kicks off, it's like, why am I taking Kent State against Wisconsin? What would possibly compel me to do that? But uh, then won a few games, certainly won with Northwestern getting the points. I mean, that's one where – you know, one, Northwestern is just such a good underdog, uh, getting more than a touchdown, and that series is always close. So if either team is ever getting more than seven points in a Nebraska-Northwestern game, I think you always take it. You know, this week, um, we could certainly run through some games if you like. I'm a little surprised Maryland is not a higher favorite uh, against Purdue, just because Purdue is so completely beat up. Maryland given three and a half on the road. Um, you know, Michigan State is getting ten and a half at Camp Rand. I think some people like Michigan State there, but but I'm not one of them. I think uh, you know Michigan State played an emotional game against Ohio State last week. Wisconsin had a semi bye. I think Wisconsin is going to be all revved up. Um, and then I think if you're Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame could beat USC big. So I don't think laying ten and a half points uh, in South Bend is much of a problem. Yeah, you're driving around the lake to see that one, aren't you, Saturday? Yeah, I'll go to Notre Dame. Um, you know, it's it's a very good team. Now, obviously, they've played two completely non-competitive opponents and have, have looked great against them, including New Mexico. But obviously Notre Dame played very well at Georgia, got a little lucky in that Virginia game, got a couple turnovers in the second half and kind of ran away with the game. You know, Notre Dame's in a weird spot right now where 11-1 and is probably uh, not going to get you to the playoff. It's kind of a, a rough lot in life when you can go 11-1. and If you go 11-1 and with a close loss at Georgia, and that's not good enough, but – this is this is the problem with not playing in a league. You know, you don't get that 13th game. Uh, you don't get to win a Big Ten championship or even an ACC championship. You end up 11 and one and, and kind of out of people's minds. And you know, you look around and you say, well, there's still five conferences for four spots. I mean, even if you just assume the Pac-12 is not going to make it, you know, you're still dealing with potentially Clemson, maybe Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma, and probably two from the SEC. So that's five right there. So how does Notre Dame fit in? And the answer is Notre Dame has to play great. They have to hope that, you know, Michigan uh, is better than, than it's looked so far. So if Notre Dame beats Michigan, that's going to mean something. And then they got to hope for some anarchy. They got to hope teams like Clemson or Georgia or Alabama or Oklahoma lose. 
Well, I hate to break this to you, but I don't think your Jets are very good this year. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, they're they've really. I mean, they're undefeated, right? I mean, they're they're right there. Yeah, you know. So before the season, um, uh, Trevor Simeon got signed to be the Jets' backup quarterback, and and obviously I know Trevor from the Northwestern days. So I've never gone to a game at MetLife Stadium, so I figured this is going to be the year that I'm going to do it. Right? I mean, who is who is hitting Trevor Simeon up for Jets tickets? I just don't <laughs> think that's happening very often. So I figure, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, torture my 11-year-old daughter, you know, to make her a Jets fan, make her wear a sweatshirt as well. So this is the weekend to do it. She's got, she's off school Monday, so mom won't be mad at me for taking her out of school for a day. It's a Sunday afternoon game, so I can fly there. The only problem is, you know, the Jets are like the worst team in the history of professional sports. So <laughs> maybe it'll be a little better because Sam Darnold has recovered from mono, so they actually have their their, their starting quarterback back, thankfully. Uh, maybe they'll put a little scare into the Cowboys, and it would be kind of cool if I can witness the Jets' first win of the year. Here we are, you know. Uh, in mid-October, <laughs> so so we'll see how that works out. I actually think the Miami Dolphins would like to hold your beer for a minute. About the Very team. true. A Jets-Dolphins um, <laughs> game, would uh, would there be a point spread? I, 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 I guess they, all, they, they, they do make point spreads for Rutgers, Maryland, so I guess they'd have to do a spread for uh, Jets-Miami. Well, that'll be fun. A little daddy-daughter day. That'll be a good time for you. Exactly. Let's, uh, you know, hopefully do a little tailgating. Maybe we'll see Trevor, who's on injured reserve, shouldn't be too busy, uh, should be a nice day. But as you and I, I'm sure you agree with me on this one, man, college football is where it's at. To me, the NFL is a TV sport with very few exceptions. Uh, So hopefully, uh, you know, there'll be some football uh, in between all those commercials that happen uh, in those NFL games. No doubt. Travel safe. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Greg. Be well, man. We also, and is he there? Yep, he's there. P.J. Flack, head football coach in the Minnesota Golden Gophers, joins us right now here on Sports Sunday. Coach, thank you for the time. Since we last saw you, Minnesota is 9-2, and two, uh, including a 5-0 and start to this season. What's been kind of the, the secret to this success? <laughs> just getting better every single day. You know, we just want to be better today than we were yesterday, and then tomorrow will be better tomorrow than we were today. And you know, probably a very similar approach that Coach Frost is taking with his team, and we're both still very young teams. And um, you know, just recruit the right players, and you get the right players to stay, and you do everything you can to coach them up on and off the field to be really good men and connect them as a culture and connect them as a team, and and just keep keep getting better. There, there's no secret formula to it. It's just we got to find a way to be better today than we were yesterday. Your team has found that knack, and it's a good one to get, the ability to win close games. Talk about the ability to do that and, and how that is good in progression of your program. You know, when you start the season, you don't know what kind of team you have. I think everybody before game one, you don't even know what type of team you're going to have. You have an idea, but you haven't played a game yet. Then you go through game one, and, you know, we came back in the fourth quarter to beat a South Dakota State team that's very talented at the FCS level. And, and then we go into game two and go to Fresno, and we have to come back in the fourth quarter and, and the last play on a fourth down, we, we catch a ball in the corner of the end zone to send it into overtime, then win it in overtime, and, uh, you know, on the road at Fresno, which is a very difficult place to play. Uh, and then Georgia Southern runs a triple option. We had to basically change our whole defense to go to that and had to come back from behind on a third and 30 and then a fourth and eight in our own zone to go ahead and find a way to win. And, and then, and then you, you, you have, an, have a lead at Purdue, and then they come back. And then last week we were able to, you know, extend our, you know, extend the lead and be able to take care of business at the end of the game and not have to come back and not have to hold on for dear life. So our team has seen the whole spectrum of how you win football games this year, which I think really helps you as you keep going through the year because you've been in a lot of games that you had to come back from, hold the lead, and then you have one that you've extended leads on. So we've uh, had a lot of experiences, that's for sure. You you mentioned the Purdue game. Tanner Morgan had an unbelievable game, 21-22. Where have you seen the most growth in his game? Well, I just, I just think it's experience. It's a confidence in himself. You know, he's a winner. Uh, he's a very accurate quarterback. Uh, he understands the game. His intangibles are through the roof. You know, he's, he's not going to be this huge athlete that's, you know, when he walks in the room, you know who he is. Uh, but he is a winner. Uh, he's a wonderful connector, a tremendous leader, a great teammate, and a very accurate quarterback who understands his weaknesses and understands his strengths. And I think that's a powerful combination when you have a young man at that age who understands who he is and can maximize his potential and maximize his intangibles. Uh, I think that's that 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 I think anybody would want to have that. 
Coach, you, you had to be pleased for Rodney Smith, the game that he had against Illinois. It's been a long career, but it's also been a, a career where he, he's had to overcome some obstacles. Talk to me about that young man a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, life's all about overcoming adversity, and football is a game of adversity. Every single play is a very, very violent, very difficult play, and you either win or lose, and you got to respond. Well, life is too. He's had some unfortunate injuries over the past few years, but nobody's worked harder on this football team to get back to the shape that he was in and to be able to finish off his career on top. And he could have easily stopped. He could have transferred when we got here. He could have quit football. He could have stopped after the last injury, and he didn't. And that just shows the type of character Rodney Smith has. And it wasn't just his 211 yards that he had last week. It was the over 100 yards of yards after contact. I think that was the most impressive part. And that's what you want to see from a guy who had an ACL repair is, you know, how does he handle the contact and does he run through the contact and he break the tackles. And I think for the first time uh, of us being here, I think Rodney Smith had one of his better games to join that. It was about a year ago you made the change at defensive coordinator. Tell, tell me about Joe Rossi and what has he brought to the table for you? He's just a phenomenal teacher. Uh, the players love being around him. He's a connector. He's a positive guy. A wonderful educator, um, teaches from all different angles, meaning, you know, he's got 50-some players on his side, and they all learn differently, and he hits every category of learning that you possibly can throughout a whole meeting. Players play for him, and he's just a wonderful husband, um, one of the best fathers I've ever seen, and he just has great balance in his life, just a wonderful person. Well, the Gophers off to a 5-0 and start. It's, it's, you've gotten this program really up off and running here in year three. Tell me about some, some of the things you, you'll impress upon your team for this game with Nebraska. Well, we just got to be consistent in, in executing the game plan offensively, defensively, special teams. We know how talented Nebraska is, and we know what happened last year, but it's just a different year. Uh, both, uh, both teams are completely different than they were last year somehow, some way. Um, and, you know, we're playing a really good opponent. We just have to be, again, on each play, be better on that play than we were on the play before and take one play at a time and just execute our, our game plan the best of our ability and play harder for longer. And, uh, you know, our team is trained to do that. Coach, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Best of luck the rest of the season. Yeah, it means a lot. Row the boat, Sky Mongo Gophers. Thank you very much. Thanks to Nate, to Tim. Tim! Anna and Mick back there tonight. Have a great night. Talk to you tomorrow.